Welcome to the ASC podcast, Cytopath Pod. Join special guests to highlight ASC activities in cytopathology education, advocacy, and research. Hi everyone, my name is Asta. I'm a cytopathology fellow at the University of Minnesota and I'm presenting this month's e-journal club. Uh, the topic is cytologic findings and effusions from patients with SARS-CoV-2 infection. We uh, chose this article from the May-June issue of Journal of the American Society of Cytopathology. And I think it's a very timely topic. This is me. So the main objectives of our uh, journal club are to briefly touch on COVID-19 pathophysiology, discuss COVID-19 involvement of body cavities, and characterize pertinent pathologic and clinical findings in COVID-19 patients with effusions. So severe uh, acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus, that's the full name of SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 as the most popular you know, a name out there. It's a novel RNA coronavirus and WHO declared uh, this virus a pandemic in March, 2020. Uh, let's briefly talk about the way this virus enters into the human body. So it's an RNA virus. And if you look at this figure, it has these spike proteins and these spike proteins have receptor binding domain. So they use this to bind to the AC2 receptors in the host cell and try to enter the host cell. Now, after entering, it can try to, you know, evoke damage by multiple uh, ways. So one is direct cytotoxic effect. It can bind to this uh, receptor and, you know, uh, directly kill the cell. It can also lead to dysregulation of the renin angiotensin activation system, which can affect tissue injury, remodeling, lead to inflammation, vasoconstriction, increase vascular uh, permeability, make the vessels very leaky. It can also damage the endothelial cells and lead to thromboinflammation. And that will lead to decrease in uh, breakdown of fibrin and increase in thrombin production. So this is a blood vessel and there's a lot of increased inflammation and thrombosis. So all those clinical symptoms are a result of this mechanism. And the one which is most talked about is the dysregulated immune response. So there'll be a loss of T-cells, hyperactive innate immunity, and that much talked about cytokine storm. So this microphotograph shows you the immunopathology of COVID-19. There is lymphopenia, your T-cells, CD8 positive, 4 positive, NK cells, B-cells are all decreasing. There is T-cell activation secondary to increase IL-2, interferon gamma, tumor necrosis factor alpha. The lymphocytes are dysfunctional. The T cells are exhausted. The natural killer cells are exhausted. The good cells in our body, the granulocytes and monocytes, which try to protect the body, there are abnormalities in these cells, so they can't help us much. There is increased cytokines and increased antibodies. So this virus is, you know, using all these channels to create this hyperactive auto-inflammatory immune response. It is turning on the body itself. 
and the symptoms vary. Like some patients, they get the virus, they're asymptomatic. Some have this mild flu-like disease. Some have cough, fever, and fatigue. And roughly 10% develop interstitial pneumonia, acute respiratory distress syndrome, leading to multiple organ dysfunction and failure. And the chest radiographic findings are uh, non-specific, but one uh, finding which is commonly seen are these ground glass opacities. They show consolidation. They're in a bilateral fashion and peripherally distributed. Body cavity effusions are uncommon, but you can see them on CT imaging in a subset of patients. Pleural effusions are more common in patients who have more advanced and severe disease. And a small subset of patients also showed acute pericarditis and the patients presented with cardiac tamponade. So we talked about the fact that the fusions, you know, they are seen in patients who have more advanced disease. But the thing which is unclear is if these body cavity fluids are the sites of infection or no. So here the study came into play and they aimed to characterize the cytologic and clinical findings in COVID-19 patients with effusions. So far, you know, since COVID-19 started at the end of 2019, really, you know, got into the picture in early 2020. So the literature on biopsy and cytologic findings is still evolving and it is kind of uh, scarce, but there are reports here and there which are trying to characterize the findings we get uh, to see. So this recent report in a Journal of Thoracic Oncology noted that a BL was showing a lot of plasma cytosis. Some rare reports have shown that pleural effusions are showing, you know, reactive mesothelial cells and non-specific mixed inflammation. On uh, autopsy, they tried to characterize the findings which we see in the lung since uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome is, you know, what a lot of patients were presenting with. So we saw a lot of diffuse alveolar damage, hyaline membranes, and interstitial inflammation composed of lymphocytes. Autopsy studies of the lungs have shown diffuse alveolar damage. There's a lot of superimposed bacterial pneumonia. And the proposed pneumocyte viral cytopathic changes included pneumocyte hyperplasia. They could be like multinucleation and intranuclear inclusion bodies. They also noted uh, that these patients were showing hemophagocytosis, multiple thromboemboli, endothelitis, and tissue megakaryocyte recruitment. So if you remember uh, the pathophysiology of the virus, you know that this virus can you know, affect the endothelial cells and lead to all these manifestations. So SARS-CoV-2 has been detected in a number of bodily fluids. This includes BALs, sputum, feces, blood, and urine. And case studies have identified viral RNA in pleural and pericardial fluid. And RT-PCR was the modality you know, chosen to identify this virus. So now the question remains, pleura or pericardium, are the reservoirs? Are these cells you know, infected? Can they lead to propagation of this virus? So let's see how you know, the authors designed the study to address this question. They included uh, patients who were positive with COVID-19 between March 2020 to September 2020, and who also had body cavity effusion cytology. Then they performed in-situ hybridization. This, this targeted that protein transcript of our virus, and it was performed on the cell block material. 
So the slides were performed and two cytopathologists reviewed the slides. They looked at, you know, the kind of inflammatory cells which were out there, how the mesothelial cells were, you know, showing uh, different uh, changes. Was there any hemophagocytosis, megakaryocytes, any viral cytopathic change? On the cell blocks, they performed in situ hybridization. They used positive controls and negative controls. In all the cases, you know, chemical analysis was done. They noted the fluids for color, appearance, protein, pH, and glucose. They did microbiology cultures, noted their results, the differential counts of erythrocytes and leukocytes. And the one interesting uh, thing in the study was they, you know, went back in time and pulled over a five-year period any cases of effusion where the patient had a concurrent positive test for influenza. And they also pulled out 14 consecutive benign effusions from patients who had acute respiratory symptoms, but did not have any established infection. And uh, I have tried to create this flowchart to see how, you know, they analyze the results. So for cytological findings, which were, uh, you know, showing either mesothelial cells and inflammatory cells, so in the mesothelial cells, they were studying them for if this um, infiltrate is like scantine on reactive versus whether it is hypercellular or reactive. In the inflammatory cells, what was the inflammation like? Is this, you know, predominantly lymphocytic, histiocytic, or neutrophilic? And they did not notice any megakaryocytes. They didn't see any viral cytopathic effects. When we talk about viral cytopathic effects, like, you know, how herpes show those margination, multinucleation. So with COVID-19, they didn't see anything which could be attributed to COVID-19. So this is a table which kind of characterizes the cytologic findings. And effusion, if you see, we have 15 cases segregated by fluid type, which included pleural, pericardial, and peritoneal. And then they're trying to see what kind of inflammation is out there histiocytic, lymphocytic, neutrophilic. And there was, I think, only one case which showed neutrophilic. Then we talked about it, mesothelial cell findings. Are they reactive? Are they scanty? Are they hypercellular? And is there any hemophagocytosis, present or absent? And we'll talk about hemophagocytosis uh, as we go along. These are some photomicrographs. So this is a lymphohistocytic aggregate. This was a very predominant finding which the authors noted, you know, in their study set. This patient was 81 years old. She had uh, COVID-19. This is a photomicrograph. It's a, uh, from a patient with uh, hepatocellular carcinoma. He presented with dyspnea, but they found him to be positive for COVID-19. And this one showed a reactive uh, mesothelial proliferation and a lot of uh, macrophages in the background. Then this top figure is showing erythrophagocytosis, like cells ingesting red blood cells. The bottom figure is showing leukophagocytosis. And if you notice, this uh, patient had uh, COVID-19 pneumonia with pleural effusion. Leukophagocytosis uh, in this patient, she had a cystic teratoma and she was incidentally found to be positive for SARS-CoV-2. This is a photomicrograph. Uh, the subset is showing, the inset is showing this positive control. It's a bit faint, but it's a positive control. And this one is showing the mesothelial cells and inflammatory cells. And inside of hybridization is done, which is kind of negative. 
we talked about uh, the fact that the authors did all these differential counts on their fluid subset. So in the 100 cell count, they were, you know, finding all sorts, like some patients had 91% leukocytes, some had 50% leukocytes, and the rest with histocytes, lymphocytes, and mesothelial cells in varying proportions. Microbiology cultures were done in 16 of 17 specimens. Aerobic cultures showed bacterial growth in two cases. They had uh, done anaerobic cultures, fungal cultures, acid-fast bacilli, and no microorganism growth was noted. So this is the fluid analysis. We talked about it, what was the color, the protein, the pH, and how the fluid looked. And aerobic cultures, only case uh, six and seven, if you look, showed growth of Pseudomonas and Staphylococcus, And um, they kind of characterized this. So now, you know, kind of coming to what the results were and how it ties up in the whole thing. So these patients, they also had comorbid conditions. We talked about it, like how patients who have pleural fluid effusions or body cavity fusions have already, you know, an advanced presentation. So out of this uh, 13 patients, seven patients, you know, died of COVID-19. That's like a significant number, 54%. It kind of correlated with the high mortality, you know, which was associated with MERS-CoV, the respiratory syndrome virus. It is related to SARS-CoV. It was seen in Middle East. So they also showed a high mortality. And uh, there were two cases where the patients had pericardial effusion, but they also had severe systemic disease. One patient uh, died of cardiac tamponade and one recovered from COVID-associated myocarditis. This is a very common complication. Like patients recover from COVID, but, you know, later they pass away due to myocarditis. And then there were two cases of peritoneal fluid. The patients had history of pancreatic carcinoma and mature cystic teratoma, but they recovered from COVID-19. So this is kind of a table summarizing what were the histories and outcomes so we talked about it, like seven patients died. If you look at the clinical history, some of the patients have hepatocellular carcinoma, CLL, metastatic disease to the lung, and adnexal mass, gastric carcinomas. 12 and 13 didn't have any past medical history. And they're presenting symptoms. Some patients were coming to their main presentation and the hospital, you know, they were diagnosed with COVID-19 and some presented with hypoxic respiratory failure. So the presentation is kind of variable. And uh, seven patients died, few patients, and these patients recovered. So it's uh, a very heterogeneous picture. You can't really you know, categorize it that this patient is recovering and this patient has a higher chance of you know, dying. And severe cases of the disease, you know, they were linked to a cytokine storm. We talked about the pathophysiology and we know how COVID-19, you know, generates this immune response. It leads to hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. And uh, we know that our fluids, they had a transudative nature and they did not show any thing on in-situ hybridization. So what was proposed is that the body cavity effusions, they were likely, you know, due to 
uh, cardiopulmonary dysfunction in COVID-19 rather than direct viral induced tissue damage. This is, I think, an important point to think of that, you know, these patients already have a systemic disease going on for them. And that is probably causing this, you know, fluid effusion rather than viral causing any damage. And hemophagocytosis, it was a non-specific finding. It could not be correlated with the severity of COVID-19 related disease. And no viral RNA was detected in the mesothelial or inflammatory elements within the serous cavity samples. So that answers our question, like, are these you know, cavities harboring any virus? But we didn't find any viral RNA. So I think we can safely say uh, for now, the answer is, you know, no. And it was also unclear if the fusions are harboring this viral particle or infected cell elements because the results were negative on ish. Predominantly, we noted histiocytic and lymphohistiocytic inflammation in most cases. And we know that wherever there was pleural or pericardial effusion, it required clinical intervention. It was kind of, you know, an ominous finding. This is a small series. And out of, you know, uh, 15 patients, overall, we had 74% died due to COVID-related illness and 62% um, died overall due to other complications. So um, if you think about it, what, you know, our take-home points in this uh, study are that there are findings. We are seeing uh, lymphohistocytic inflammation. We are seeing hemophagocytosis. And, uh, but the, it's hard to tease out if it is like specific or it is, you know, in general. And, uh, this will probably need more studies to add to the data and kind of, you know, we have to study wider subset samples. This study had like 15 uh, cases and they were uh, answering an important question. So we have to, you know, look at more data to effectively characterize uh, what is happening in COVID-19 patients with effusions. And I thank you so much for, you know, joining me on this presentation and uh, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to CytopathPod. You can reach ASC on Twitter at Cytopathology or via email at asc at cytopathology.org.